Uh, sweet. Cool. So we are in our last episode of the year. It's episode 19, I think. I'm kinda, I kind of feel bad we didn't get to 19. Uh, well, 20, I mean. <laughs> Would have been a nice round number. Wrap up 2020 on a 20th episode, but that's not happening. And that's okay, because this whole year has been a disappointment. <laughs> we could have planned that a little better and maybe had one more interview before the break. But um, we're both ramping down off of um, work, going into the holidays. And I think that we both kind of wanted to have a bit of a reprieve um, in the in the last couple of months here. have been kind of a, you know, personally for me, I feel like it's been the anxiety of the rest of the year is kind of caught up here in the last month. Um and knowing that I was going to have the holidays, I, I was excited, <laughs> honestly. To, I was looking forward to having some break because I haven't really had like a true break this whole year. Uh, it's for a lot of people. I feel like everyone is just looking forward to the holidays where you can just wind down for a little bit and reset for 2021. I'm optimistic about 2021. I'll tell you this. I am much, much more optimistic than 2020. I think I've seen people talking about like, that's why they called it the roaring 20s, right? Like you know, they got through the Great Depression and then it was like a, a boom after that. But it's kind of it's going to be really interesting in the tech world because I think what you saw happen over the last several months is um, we talked about this when COVID was really in full swing. I mean, it's still in full swing. I'm not going to downplay it there, but, you know, companies moving into this world where they have to accept remote work or they've been forced into it. Their hand has been forced. And so now we're at the point you know, we're almost in a new year and a lot of these companies have now had, like they've completed their transition and they figured out how to start doing it um, properly. Uh, in some ways, you know, like Microsoft taking great steps to make sure that like our employees are getting what they need to get work done, shipping things out of the main offices. Um, and I think you're seeing that across the board at any size business. Uh, several of our guests on the show have talked about that, you know, uh, so yeah, I'm optimistic for the future of just remote work in general after this. It forced a lot of people's hands, but that might have been a good thing. It was an interesting conversation that I had with a couple of people back in, I want to say like February, March-ish, where I was talking about how their teams are operating and the remote aspect of things was pretty much a non-starter. Teams were saying that it's not something they will ever do. You need to be in the hallway. You need to be present right then and there. And just a couple of months later, COVID happened. And you're right, it, it kind of forced everyone's hand and it showed that you can do remote work when you absolutely need to. And people are an adaptable species and we can actually push our limits pretty hard when we need to. And I think I have, I mean, I have several questions about where this is gonna go, you know, post, post pandemic. Um, you know, n remote work has been more normalized. Uh, everybody's talking about it now, it seems like. Even people that uh, are in traditional tech jobs, uh, you know, so even, you know, some call center jobs, like there's just been so many jobs that have been forced into this mode. Like, you know, will we go into the office again? If so, how often, right? I know that I personally liked to travel occasionally. I'd liked to get out to Redmond and see my peers. And that was like, you know, once every two or three months, uh, you know, another question is like, is this hybrid way of working, um, gonna totally break the way that we communicate, connect, maybe it even changes the amount, amount of hours you work in a week. I've seen people talking about that, right? Like Fridays, it's like a, you know, four days on three days off. What if that becomes a norm? Um, you know, the butts in seat for eight hours a day, 
is no longer kind of the gold standard. There's there's no reason to set it that way, right? Like you could split up your day however you want now. It's interesting too because from the perspective that you're describing, there's a lot of nuance in that, you know, again, kind of thinking of a, you know, how we are as a species, we're very social. We need the human interaction. We need the human contact. So just because we're working remotely right now, I don't think it'll be possible where everyone is 100% completely remote working from home because there's a lot of constraints on that environment, right? Not everyone has a big house. What does that mean if our offices are completely virtual now and we lose those day-to-day social interactions? We're only, you know, we're only like, what, eight months into it? So we don't know what the long-term, long-trail effects of this could be for those those workplaces. You know, and, and the other thing that's been brought up has been Maybe this is a great a great level leveler for you know gender equality and diversity in the workplace. So, uh, you know, there's there's an affordance there for for that to become like a leveling um, factor. I think it definitely opens doors because you're no longer constrained by say location. If I want to work from Raleigh, North Carolina, or from Wichita, Kansas, or from Seattle, Washington, I can do the exact same job from anywhere. It doesn't matter. Right. I don't need to move my family. I don't need to sell my house. So that definitely opens doors for a lot of possibilities that I think we have not seen before. But the same, I'll tell you this. I have been working remote not that long, maybe for what, like three years, going on four years now. And I still feel like it's super helpful sometimes to just go into the office and riff on a project on a whiteboard. Like, I, I don't think that a Teams call or a Skype call can fully replace that interaction model. I don't know. There's just something about being there in person and being able to collaborate with people, being able to bounce ideas that's not impossible when you're remote. And we've seen a lot of companies that do that. We've seen companies like Basecamp, right? I'm a big fan of what DHH and Jason Fried are doing with Basecamp and Hey, and they're entirely remote. But at the same time, I feel like to kind of break out of the the bubble, we need to interact with people and just be in the room together and build things. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's going to be a, maybe a hybrid approach here where it's not fully remote, it's not fully on site, but it's a little bit of both. And it's a once in a generation kind of opportunity to reimagine the way that we you know do our jobs, the way the companies are ran, the way the offices are ran. Being, you know, for a long time, I was at a company that was fully remote, Stack Overflow. They had a they had a central office. It was great to go there occasionally, and there were definitely people that preferred to be there. And that that was an option. You could you know you could be relocated there to New York City, and you could work in an office. We would get you an office, um, but you know the majority of people chose to be at home. And the same thing at Microsoft. I mean, you see these massive campuses that have um, you know food service workers and cleaners and. There's a lot of infrastructure built up there to support other people's jobs too, though. Having those offices in person and like how much of that shift is going to disrupt those types of jobs. I think this is an important point because it's often omitted when we discuss kind of remote work that for knowledge workers, for IT workers, it's very easy to make that shift, right? Like you take your laptop, go home, that's your office. It doesn't matter if, you know, you have kids at home, you have pets, you have all the worries, you can still work from home technically. But if you're a restaurant worker, if you are a doctor, if you are someone that does, you know, plumbing, you can't shift those jobs to, 
your house. You can't just, you know, do plumbing from home because you still need to go to people's houses and do that work. It's, it, yeah. you know, when we talk about remote work, we can't be too reductionist about it and saying that, well, everyone will shift to remote because the reality is, no, it won't. Knowledge workers, maybe, in a good chunk of those, but there's going to be a lot of other segments of the economy that will just not transition to that mode of operation anytime soon. And I want to back up a little bit here because I want to also touch on something that's close to me because I've seen it happen in my own home um, with my wife, which is that topic of like gender equality. And and I, I mentioned this not because, you know, I think that there's definitely like women being clustered in like lower paying jobs on the whole. And when the pandemic hit, it even, incre- it even increased women's, you know, my own wife, she um, does a lot of unpaid work at home. So, you know, cooking, cleaning, childcare. She also has a job um, that she works and it's a flexible job right now. It's, it's in person. She is not remote. Um, but that emphasis, that like demand has gotten even more intense since I've gone remote and my children have been home. And so you're starting to see this like, yeah, like I said, it's, it's even more intense and, and demanding on families and especially like women in the household and will remote opportunities kind of open the door for them to one, get like higher paying jobs um, two more flexibility in their day. So, you know, if they, if they are going to continue doing that, like, you know, helping out with that from, you know, doing a lot of the work at home, that type of unpaid work, is there an opportunity there, I guess, to, to kind of relook and rebalance like the gender, the gender conversation. And like when a workplace, you know, they could make some affordances to support that. They could say, look, we understand you have small kids, like you're not going to be available from certain times of the day. That stuff's really important, like family flexibility. Not everybody is single. You know, some people have families and they also want to have a good career. They want to chase their dreams in that way too. And yeah, I just think that remote opens the door for that opportunity. And if companies really think about it in a way that's like innovative, as I mentioned, like adjusted work hours or, um, you know, setting expectations properly with managers, it's a great, uh, great kind of door or opportunity for us to look at. Right. And this is, I think, where when we also talk about remote work, it's worth looking at this as a system of things. You have a set of incentives, you have a set of feedback loops that exist that we cannot ignore. So it's not just about take your laptop home and work from home, but it's more of what does that mean for daycare or for, you know, I mean, childcare? What does it mean for education? What does it mean for uh, career growth? Because you're right, if you're you know, a, a family, you have a different set of responsibilities from somebody that lives by themselves in a studio apartment that has uh, a lot of flexibility, if you will, in, in their day. And I, I get it, it's not everyone, and I'm just broadly generalizing this, but the set of responsibilities, the set of worries is very very different that i don't think we fully know the implications yet well and there are there are you know wonderfully talented women that are mothers that are doing things that would make them make a a real challenge to work in a corporate work environment like uh you know like we've mentioned talking about driving into redmond gotta drive there in the morning you can't be there to get your kids ready you gotta them up at a certain time during the day well you can't get out of redmond because of traffic all of that stuff goes away with remote and so there's an awesome opportunity there for them to kind of get these jobs that otherwise they wouldn't have even have been able to think about because yeah they have those commitments and dads help too you know that's that's the other thing it goes both ways it's not just mothers but it's also fathers that help with the kids too so well and the aspect of this is the trope of well if you're remote you can just move to montana live on a ranch somewhere and just have a perfect career well if you're by yourself yes that makes sense you can do that 
if you are a family with kids, you can't just move to Montana and be on a ranch in the mountains somewhere because, well, who's gonna worry about daycare? <laughs> what about education, right? Like it, the responsibility falls on someone. It's not as simple of an equation to solve and just saying that, well, just move everyone remote, work from home, that's it, boom. Problem solved, we have a winner. Yes and no, there's just so much variability in it. And I think to to the extent that you're uh, describing kind of the, the situation where the, the flexibility still needs to exist because different people will have different life situations. The flexibility and the tools need to exist and be put in place to account for that, right? So I, I keep hammering home the point about daycare because I've just been recently talking to a friend about that and it was just baffling to me the cost of daycare and the cost of doing that at home. It was a sh shock when I, when I learned about it and I don't have kids, but to me even learning about it, it's like, wow, if you do not have a system in place that provides that safety net of taking care of this aspect of someone's life, it will add so much strain on everything you do, your career, your relationships with other people. You know, we, we can't take a look at this problem in isolation. Yeah, and I think one of the great challenges is like what, again, what happens to all those workers that can't work from home? Because there's gonna be, you know, a large, still over half of the workforce is not gonna be able to work from home. Of, of Americans, you know, that's gonna increase, the remote shift is also gonna, you know, see a decline in like daily commuters, business travel, all of that has like a knock-on effect to the people that those jobs support, you know, those those jobs are supported by some of this. You know, we need to shore up that that like social safety net in some way. Like, can we invest in ways to increase the skills or increase the education for those people? Yeah, I mean, and, and making access to childcare, that's even, that's an even another critical part. It's like some areas just don't have it. Safe, you know, reliable ch childcare. And that's like part of that social safety net because uh, to be honest, it's really hard to run child daycare and, and do it right. You don't want to have too many children. Either. The unpaid work that women do is one of like the biggest barriers for like women reaching their potential in the workforce and remote work can work in their favor in that way. Um, if done right, if companies, if companies really take it seriously. And I like your idea that you called out earlier about the flexible hours. I think we'll soon see that this nine to five day, at least again, for knowledge workers, I'm purely using it to just our field is gonna be a thing of the past, you know, and it's a good thing because at the end of the day, what matters is measure of impact. Have you done the work that matters and kind of produces the right results? Whether I did it in eight hours, four hours, six hours, doesn't matter. Whether I did it from 6 a.m. until noon and then took a break and did more work between like eight and 10, like, it doesn't matter. And we've had guests on our show even talk about this um, cycle of work where, you know, there's periods where it's going to be very heavy, concentrated amounts of effort. And then other times where it's going to be a lull. There's going to be sprint. There's going to be sprint segments. And then there's going to be maybe, you know, slower marathon segments where you can catch your breath a little bit. It's not. Yeah, it's not just like a 40 hour work week all the time. I, do, I really don't think it needs to be looked at as that. I think it needs to be looked at more like what's the lump of time that we have to get things done in this month. Right. Or this period and make it happen. Um, whether you have to backload it, front load it, or it's a peaks and valleys, right? I always look at it like kind of like time commitment for this effort. It's like a, a treadmill, right? You like have these little peaks and valleys and you're going to um, increase the difficulty and decrease at certain points, you get, get your breath back. So yeah, I just think that uh, we can innovate a little bit on that idea of hours spent working. And it's more about impact, impact made while working or what are our goals and what can we get done realistically?
and also not completely stress out our workforce because I, I'll tell you what, being remote myself for a long time, if I didn't have the flexible hours, that would be, I, I couldn't do it. I really, I really could not have the lifestyle I have and I would not be happy. If, if I, I refer to our friends at Basecamp because they really, really have done an excellent job with kind of formalizing the culture of remote, but um, what they found and what they kind of been very actively talking about is the fact that in a workday, you know, our eight hour workday, only about four hours are really focused hard work when you can just kind of put all your energy in it because after that, your energy levels just kind of drain and your work is just not gonna be as effective, right? So like for those four hours, you need to hammer home what you need to get done. And after that, you're just kind of like, all right, I'm gonna catch up on the low effort task, if you will. And I know, again, it's overly generalizing as low effort because there's a lot of high effort tasks and decisions that need to be made. But still, you have that very short four hour time window in which you can get things done. And beyond that, it makes no sense to kind of have this hard enforcement of eight hours exactly this is it this is when you work because you can work whenever and if it helps you to recharge a little bit and i don't know take a nap and then get back to work and be much more productive and insightful do that who cares looking at what has happened in specifically in tech companies again we are in a, a little bit of a focus bubble here right then like we're looking a lot at tech companies we're hearing the stories of our peers that are working at different places there's a couple lessons learned for like companies that are adapting to remote work one of those is right like at the, right at the top it's that flexibility with the work hours um you know you know how long, longer have like the long commute times so that's that's huge right and then they're also adopting like virtual first so the workplace has to become a, a spot that is looking at work as virtual first or remote first versus, hey, by the way, we had this meeting in the office and you weren't included. COVID forced us to think remote and virtual first versus the other way around, which coming into Microsoft, again, as a, as a former um, completely remote employee at an organization that done it really well, that was uh, eye-opening to me that it was still very much a office and like meeting-oriented culture. And if you weren't in those meetings, you're not going to hear about anything. So uh, that was like number one is like, you know, all these companies are shifting to remote and virtual first, and then they're setting up their teams for success. So like, you know, whatever the team's preferences are, giving you what you need to get your job done. Number two there would be, you know, the managers need to know how to like actually coach and collaborate and evaluate performance and motivate people remotely. This is a unique skill. In office, interactions no longer happen face-to-face. -face. You don't go out to lunch with people. These meetings that are um, can sometimes be rather emotional about like, performance or work, those don't have the same um, presence about them, right, as when they're done in person. So there's a little bit more, more nuance there. Understanding that and talking about it as a team is really important. Um, it, it's not just a one-to-one, -one, hey, you managed in an office and now you just do it here. And then the third one's just like, enabling the multiple modes of working. So we've talked a lot about async work. When we kicked off our podcast, we talked a lot about how writing is so critical and like data being saved on the cloud and have everybody having access to it. You know, that that tailors and allows for different working modes, different time zones. I think that's like absolutely critical, obviously, for like seamless virtual collaboration. If you don't have like things wrote down, shared out um, among your work group, and it's like in a central location, it's going to be a really hard pressed to get anything done. There's a lot of the culture shift that needs to happen because there is a lot of this where you can clearly see that an organization is not yet ready to be remote because you see the proliferation of meetings into the remote world because you had those meetings in person, you had a lot of them, and now everything is a video call. 
Instead, a lot of people need to realize the fact that it's not about meetings, it's about communication. Communication can be done asynchronously. When you have a document, you write things down. And because a lot of people are shifting to this flexible work mode where you might have different hours than you had before, and that's okay. This means that maybe you don't have time for a meeting, but you will have enough time to give feedback on a document later on. Things are better put in a document or in a chat where you can respond asynchronously and not necessarily in the moment when things happen. And that shift has been happening and I've seen this and I, I definitely see this happening in different companies. So it's not isolated to a specific, just kind of a segment of our industry, if you will. But it needs to happen where people realize that communication can be done in more than just the ways that we've previously been doing and taking those ways and you know, it's not about taking those ways and moving them to the virtual world. It's about changing the entire paradigm of saying we do things differently because we're remote. We're cognizant of all the constraints that people have. We're cognizant of the flexible work hours. We realize that people can still deliver value when they're not kind of like as you use the expression of butts and seats from nine to five. It's more of like, how do you enable the work environment where people can get work done no matter what, no matter whether they are available at this given hour or not, just trust them that they will get things done. But how do you enable them to do that? It's a shift. And I think it's gonna, you know, we, we learned a lot this year. And for a lot of people, it was a forcing function where they didn't think they would learn, but they did. I mean, but you're gonna start to see the, the follow along effects of companies that have actually, like there's gonna be a real true material effect to the shift, whether you prepared and like, actually shifted rapidly or if you're still struggling with it as a company in this new mode of working. And that's going to show up in the way that companies are retaining talent, the way they're losing talent, the way um, that, you know, even their products are being iterated on. And I think that like a company like GitHub, we look at GitHub um, from the developer perspective and a developer relations perspective, they've been doing great things. I mean, they've shifted their whole like conference and like developer audience to this like virtual interactions and um, they're really able to like kind of drive innovation on their platform without having, you know, everybody in their offices. And so they're, I think they're like a great example of a company that before, you know, they were pretty, pretty distributed anyways, but then they just went full swing, full tilt into this world. Microsoft, I feel like is doing a pretty good job for as massive as an organization it is. Yeah. So I, like I said, I think we're just going to see, we're going to see some follow along effects to that. And I'm excited to see like kind of who's, who stepped up and like kind of innovated in the space too. Cause I think there's also opportunities to like, look at how you evolve your workplaces and GitHub again, they've said that they're like fo for focusing less on making the workspaces like place people go to work. And it's more about like a place where we bring people in for events. So the, the central office becomes more of like a community building place and less like a workplace. Right, because you get people for the talents that they have, right? Their, their abilities. If I work with you, it's because you're an amazing designer, you know how to get shit done and you will do it no matter where you are or what hours you work. So it doesn't matter if you're in the office. It doesn't matter if you're physically in the building because you have the tools, you have the means to do this work from anywhere. And again, I, I totally realize that we're in a very privileged position where not everyone can do this. In our segment of the economy, it's entirely possible. And I don't see why that shift is not gonna happen. I don't, I don't see that shift reversing, honestly. I might, you know, in, uh, you know, in a year or two or whenever the vaccine comes out, Maybe I'll be wrong. I'm totally open to be wrong, by the way. This is, you know, we're speculating about all these things as if we know the future. We don't. I have a hard time seeing this shift reversing after people discover that I can be productive from anywhere and from some locations that are, 
you know, cheaper maybe uh, than what I previously had. Or maybe I can be close to uh, my family, my social circle that I'm actually much more, well, I want to say closer to or more relatable to, but essentially I've made, you know, I've seen people make the decision of moving where their parents live because they want to offer the care that they can, you know, during that stage of life. Or I've seen people move to a different part of the country because it's cheaper, right? And their salary is not adjusted. So why not move somewhere where they can buy a ranch instead of a studio apartment? All these factors combined, I think, will open a lot of possibilities for people to just see opportunity that exists out there for remote work that did not or maybe it was not, it always existed. It was just not as obvious for a lot of companies. Now it was forced into this mode. Well, we talked a lot about kind of the remote side of things. You know, we, we talk about some of the challenges of this year. We talk about lessons learned. What were some of your favorite things this year? Like, let, let's focus on the positive. Let, let's see what went well. So obviously I, I, I talked about remote and like seeing the shift in organization. So me personally, that's great. The second part of this though is the, amount of effort that has been put into like digital collaboration tools in a very like rapid window of time has been like awesome to see. I'm a designer and I use a tool called Figma, which is it's a designer. Really, it's a drawing tool, but it's wonderfully like open to multiplayer ability. So um, I can share a link LinkedIn and other people can jump into the it's basically, you know, Google Docs, like a shared Google Doc, but it's like a drawing tool. Um, they've added some amazing features over the last year, year really it's less than a year to support again, like distributed workspaces working together. They've added a lot of different like commenting features. So that's awesome. And then uh, Microsoft teams, obviously they've been like, man, I feel like they've been killing it. Their team has been shipping some awesome features over the last eight months, which has been awesome as well. Performance has improved. So that's exciting from the product perspective, the conference realm. So I've personally been dabbling a little bit in presenting at um, different you know, online conferences. I love it. Um, I didn't ever mind like going obviously to like a new city, but it's just like a, a, such a stress reliever to be able to like walk away from my computer and be home. Right. Like I don't have to travel back home or like, you know, I don't have to go to a mixer right after if I'm not feeling it. So that has been kind of cool to do virtual, virtual events and present at virtual events and not feel um, left out. You know, everybody's in the same boat. There's no fear of missing out. Obviously, I kind of miss I miss seeing new places, um, new parts of the world. Uh, that was something I always look forward to uh, doing conferences and stuff. So I, I, I kind of welcome them back at some point. Yeah, I, I miss going to uh, like California for conferences when, oh, it was my favorite conference was I think Build 2011. It was in Anaheim. It was right next to Disneyland. The best conference ever because we could just go across the road and go to Disneyland right after my like hands down so if we can repeat those experiences in the future that would be great but to your point oh one other thing one other thing though tiger king like the early pandemic when tiger king came out that was like that was like the golden age of, of pandemic right like it was it, <laughs> that was the part where it was like oh it's only gonna last like four weeks let's just you know sh shack up in our house and watch tiger king so it seems like ages ago. That was a meme factory. <laughs> it just seems like so long ago now. Uh, speak, speaking of memes, the, the one thing I did not expect in 2020, I'm not going to lie, clearly Seinfeld and tech resonates with people. Who knew? Like, I had no freaking idea. Yeah, you've... Uh... 
you've kind of hit out of the park recently with those. Which says which one has been your most successful so far? Ah, uh, I think the, let's see the most successful so far. Um, let me look it up. Actually, yeah, th this is one of those things that really surprised me this year. I know, like in all the stuff that's been going on uh, around us, just the fact that somehow. Seinfeld in tech was what people needed at the end of the year. At least like the tech audience that follows me on Twitter was probably the biggest discovery I've made this year alone. It's a useless discovery, but it's a big discovery for me. The modern web architectures was the one that I think right now clocks at about 2,500 retweets and about like close to 10,000 likes. It's I, I don't I don't get it like I don't I don't get what's so special about it that like it, it even baffles me I don't know what Twitter algorithm you know how it pops up in the right people's feeds but man is that shocking Did uh, Netflix release Watch Party this year I I think so I think so yeah Were you watched together And again that's like another cool feature that was like added by a company that's like looking at how can we do like distributed entertainment. Right, because we had that with playlists before. When you do, you know, you can share the, I, I forget the name of the startup, but they built essentially a kind of a, almost like a Spotify shared view where you're able to listen to the same things with your friends at the same time. So it's not just you're sharing the playlist, but you can act. Turntable? Uh, I think it might've been Turntable, yeah. Is it Turntable? Turntable where, iPhone. because previously people would just share playlists and then yeah, sure, you can play it on your own, but you can kind of play pause, play pause with other people and kind of see what what the reactions are and whatnot it was it was kind of a fun experiment another thing that's been great this year you and i realized quickly that we missed connecting with folks in the industry so we started up this podcast really as a vehicle to like continue our working relationship but then also just to like get out there and like grow you know be in a growth mindset talk to new people um and continue the conversation without having to do it in person and i think that that was a uh, professionally it's been like a great thing for me to just see what what opportunities are out there and like how other people are thinking about the industry and exposing ourselves to just very different viewpoints and specialties. So yeah, that's been like a, a high point in my mind. If you can do that, I'm, I, this is like general advice to anybody who's looking at their career. It's like people like to be interviewed. They like to talk about their work. So don't be afraid to like reach out to anybody. You don't have to start a podcast to do it. You could just reach out on LinkedIn or Twitter and be like, hey, do you have 15 minutes to like for me to do a little interview with you um, versus like, you know, just doing coffee because it, it, it just prefaces the conversation a little bit better when you tell them, hey, tell me about your job or tell me about yourself. It was it was eye-opening and we had some guests that were I would previously say that they're not like out of range but it's more of people that I would normally not run into right we had Bill Kenny on our podcast was talking about branding I was never exposed to branding before right I'm in my PM world I do like engineering things whatever but then you have this person coming in just dropping knowledge on branding and it's just things start clicking where you're like oh that's how it works I get it now. Well, like uh, my favorite was probably honestly having Sarah Chips on the show. So um, her conversation about like working with people and like having a lot of empathy in the way that she like approaches her work was awesome. And if you were to go to like a conference, she's going to be talking to so many people that you would probably not even get a shot because there's going to be, like I said, a line of people to, to chat with her. So yeah, it's nice. I've, like I said, love to recommend that to anybody in their career, early in their career, even go talk to people who are doing your job or the job you want and uh, you'll learn something. They'll share insights that you don't expect them because oftentimes people also typecast out of people say oh this person is a product manager in this product or this person is you know an engineer 
But then, you know, we talked to uh, Meg Reisdell not, not too long ago, right? And we kind of got the perspective of how somebody got started with a career in essentially data science plus product management, which is not that common. And again, it's kind of very eye-opening where you start realizing that I can do that. And this is a path that you typically don't hear from people in, you know, a day-to-day conversation. You don't ask them, well, how did you start in your career? What was your path like? It, it, it's very insightful. I think I, I agree with you. I think this podcast has been the highlight of... Uh, of my year hands down just because we got to know so many great people and we got to talk about them about their jobs about how they started what they're doing it really shows you that everyone has a very unique impactful story you just have to figure out what that story is and how to get those people on the show essentially and you've had a great i mean year professionally i mean you went from microsoft to amazon then you came back to microsoft which is great to have you back so that's cool that's awesome gaming wise let me think here gaming wise i mean i feel like i among us yeah like Among Us has been a huge hit. I don't, you know, there was Animal Crossing was massive. Untitled Goose Game. Untitled Goose Game. Yeah, I was actually playing that last night a little bit. That's cracking me up. And I'm sure, you know, I'm I'm doing I'm doing uh, bad here on my gamerness because I haven't been keeping up with like all the newest stuff. You know, Cyberpunk just launched, but like I haven't played it at all. I've been I've just I've I've been a bad gamer this year, honestly. Like, which is weird because we've been in the pandemic. I could have played, I guess, a lot of games, but we've just decided to play Age of Empires all the time, right? Right. I know. The, I mean, it's still a good game after how many like what twenty years now? Age of Empires. Flight Simulator, I freaking love Flight Simulator. I got a joystick just so I can play Flight Simulator. Like that game is just another level of polish. It's just so well made. Well, and you know, they actually wrote an article about what people are doing. And most people that apparently play Flight Simulator, their most frequent destination is home. So people that could not fly, you know, from Seattle to, I don't know, North Carolina or Montana or Florida, they would just fly there. <laughs> like, it's a fascinating insight where if you give people a game that literally you're flying planes around anywhere in the world, people would still fly home. They, they had the interview with their uh, key engineer and he was saying that he's in Seattle now, his family is in Germany, and he flew to Germany and would, you know, be on the uh, Skype call with the parents That's and awesome. just tell them that, you know, I'm flying over your house right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, just a fascinating again kind of side of human behavior in this regard where you know you you can replicate a lot of stuff in the virtual world apparently. And then we've had the Mandalorian, which I don't know if you've kept up on that then, but that's been pretty awesome. I have not seen any of the Star Wars, and I have not caught up with the Mandalorian yet. Although I do have a Disney Plus subscription, so maybe I should start. <laughs> maybe I should start using it. Uh, let's see what. Else? Yeah, I've been using the Disney Plus subscription to look at the um, the Jeff Goldblum show, where he just kind of walks you through everything from ice cream factories to bubble gum and whatnot. It's fascinating. Gaming wise, I got back into Red Dead Redemption. That is a work of art. Like somehow that game has everything in it and it's set in this wild west of the United States before the United States was what it is now. The game is literally a work of art because you can interact with everything. Every blade of grass, flower, tree, animal, people that are in this game is just, I don't know, they they just made this massive open world experience where it's somehow, it's not the kind of the static video game typical, you know, oh, you have this box you're in, so you have to do mission, 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 quest, talk to this person versus here's this whole thing and you can do whatever you want. I'm sure that CD Projekt Red would have wished that they would have that level of polish, right, on launch. Like, that's all I've seen. (laughs) I'm not gonna even open that can of worms because I... 
I was contemplating and my friend group and I were talking about how maybe we should all get into that game. But then the moment it came out and you just see the reviews and you see the kind of bugs that are happening, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait. Yeah. I'm gonna wait for a while. <laughs> I mean, and then obviously if you're, a, if you're a console gamer fan, this year has been huge because the new Xbox, the new PS5 is out. If you been lucky enough to get one so yeah i think there's i don't know how many people still got one i i, I didn't get mine yet it's sold out everywhere yeah it is I, I tried to get one last night i tried to get a ps5 last night because i heard they were dropping some more inventory but i had no luck i see people on twitter tweeting links to like hey best buy has it now and the moment you go to best buy it's already sold out like it sells out in seconds what has been really interesting and to me has been the transition of people since they're now home and they now have invested in, some people have invested in nice camera setups. They've invested in like um, great microphones and they're like, you know, what? I got to get my workspace like set up to be here more permanently. You're seeing professionals actually streaming that normally would not have done this. So there's designers, there's developers, there's engineers just streaming their work. Like literally, I'm going to set up a Twitch stream or Facebook live stream or YouTube stream and just take you through a day of my work, which has been really cool to see this shift, which you probably wouldn't have seen it happen had everybody been stuck in an office still. So you're getting an inside glimpse at how a lot of these you know, specialists are doing their job. So again, kind of another carry, carry away from this whole pandemic has been, I love it. Like I'll go in and watch designer streams and learn something all the time um, when I pull up a Twitch stream. I think that's been pretty cool. I, I definitely see that shift. Yeah. And you kind of get more insights in the day to day. You see more engineers and, you know, designers, product managers getting into the, like I said, streaming, vlogging, you get a little bit more of a perspective. I think what was the last stream or vlog of it? There is this engineer. She has a channel. Oh, Mayuko. I think it's hello Mayuko on Twitter. But she's been kind of documenting her experience as an engineer from kind of the very different sides of things. And it's it's fascinating to learn about what people are doing, how they're dealing with the current pandemic, how they're adapting their tool set, you know, how they're continuing to scale, what are they using, what tools do they use. And sometimes, you know, I think I'm pretty sure I discovered Figma through somebody streaming about it. I did not know about Figma until I saw somebody kind of on a live stream doing this collab on a design. And I was like, wait, what is this tool? Like, is this Envision? And then like, is this a plugin for Envision? And then it's like, whoa, no, it's, it's something completely different. It'll be interesting to see, like I said, where companies take um, their workforces in 2021 and then the, the product developments that we're going to see out of 2021, you know. I would love to see, um, and this is just me spitballing, but more breaking into the VR industry for remote workers. So I think there's like a great opportunity there for like collaborative work or like shared whiteboards and stuff. You talk to April Spade about it. Yeah. Again. Yeah, that'd be great. It'd be really cool. I mean, I think there's there's some opportunities there in the VR um, realm for collaborative work tools. I don't know don't know exactly what they are, but I think there are. Yeah, whiteboard and VR, that would be awesome. Or whatever shape that takes. I, I, I'm, I'm saying whiteboard, where whiteboard can mean, you know, a whole bunch of different things, I guess, when you're in virtual reality. And the devices are getting cheaper too, which is awesome. I can actually hopefully buy one soon and not spend, you know, $15,000 on the VR rig. Yeah, I think that that's the main prohibitive thing, right, is the hardware you need and um, obviously you have to have a VR headset too but you just got to have some pretty beefy hardware to do it and space for it because I'm not about knocking my furniture down just with playing Star right. Wars in VR just smack something in the house that would be I don't know my, my I'm sure my wife would not appreciate it <laughs> Or doing a product product kickoff and your kick over the table or something, right? <laughs> they they do have the I forget what they call them, but they're essentially like virtual reality rooms that you can rent and they set up whatever game.
games they have and you have this giant, you know, like hangar kind of space where you can just do whatever. If you want to run full speed for like half a mile, you totally can. I was like, wow, we need some of that. And if you have this giant, you know, airplane hangar through which you can just do whatever in VR, I think that would be an awesome experience. You don't have to worry about, you know, knocking your computer down. You don't have to worry about, you know, crashing through a window, uh, <laughs> none of that stuff. You know, we were worried about when people had the Wii, you know, and they yeah, tossed their controllers the and stuff. Yeah, so now you're just like, you're tossing yourself out into a wall or something. Like that's much, much more painful than replacing a TV, but sure. Yeah, well, good stuff. Um, hopefully we'll get to resume our show in early January with more awesome guests. So we'll keep the list right now uh, hidden. And that is because we don't know who are gonna be the guests yet uh, ourselves. We don't know for sure, but we have some good people. Right, we're, so uh, working on. I, I know it'll be exciting, uh, so I, I am committed to continuing the show because it's Courtney has been awesome working with you on this and uh, I hope we'll continue collaborating. And there's there's a lot of topics that I think we'll we'll get to discuss in 2021 around again product design experiences. It's it's an ever evolving field. It's I don't think we'll ever reach a point where we're like, all right, we know everything. We're good. Yeah, and and we're committed to developing this podcast and the content too. So I think that that's something that we want to look at for 2021 is how can we shift not just doing interviews, but there's other things too that we would like to talk about or discuss or deep dive on. Um, and so be on the lookout for that. We, we're excited. I'm excited. Jen, you better be excited too. <laughs> I'm excited too. Yeah, there's, we can do more of these conversations like this where we can just discuss some random topics. And maybe we can also do some bite-sized podcasts too for people on the go that you know you don't have a full hour to listen to. Because I know we have a lot of fascinating uh, interviews and topics coming up, but I know that not everyone has the time for it. Any last closing words? Advice? No, I don't think so. I, I just hope everybody has a great holiday season and uh, takes time to kind of recharge mentally. I know it's been a heck of a year for everyone. Heck so. of a year is an understatement, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So stay at home, wash your hands, wear a mask, and we'll see you in the new year. See y'all.